Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning. And today my guest is Ari Gill, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in San Diego, California. He's been teaching there for the past 30 years. Ari has also extensively studied both the Wu and Yang styles of Tai Chi. And we're going to talk today about how the Alexander Technique compares and contrasts with other treatments, or not, Alexander Technique is not a treatment, but compares and contrasts with treatments that are designed to help improve your physical functioning, such as uh, chiropractic or acupressure, uh, that sort of thing. And we're also going to talk about how it compares and contrasts with various movement modalities, such as uh, yoga and Tai Chi. Uh, Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, if you could begin with just a, a, a... a, sh- a short uh, description, definition of the Alexander Technique, and uh, I think that would be helpful to our listeners. So my description of the Alexander Technique, it's a method that teaches people how to change habits of movement. And that implies two things. Life is movement. We're constantly in movement. Even when we don't seem to move, there's still movement in the body. So, it's a method, therefore, that teaches people how to change almost every aspect in the large sense of the word. And habits, most of our movement, we move by habits. The habits imply the mental aspect of the movement. The habits are the reflexes that we all programmed ourselves to work with. And we can move now semi-automatically using those habits. The question arises when we have programmed mistakes into the basic programming. And these start to manifest in different areas of our life. In standing, in bending knees, in using our arms, in walking, or when people endeavor into athletic activities, etc. This programming, of course, will affect us in such activities as driving our car, typing at a computer, playing the violin, dancing, doing yoga, etc. So the Alexander Technique teaches people how to go back to the basic programming and how to make conscious necessary changes in this program. Shall I continue? I, I, that, that was excellent. And what I think would be the, the next logical topic would be how then does it compare and contrast with, uh, with the kinds of mo- treatments that, we've been, that we mentioned earlier? Yes. So I want just to mention that when Alexander created his technique, such common terms as we use all use today as mind-body, psychophysical, awareness in movement, consciousness in uh, action, did not really exist. He was among the first 
to create them in the West. Mm-hmm. Now we are all faced with infinite choices from shiatsu to acupuncture, rolfing and chiropractic work, tai chi and qigong, yoga, aikido, feldenkrais, aerobics and pilates. There's also postural alignment and zen of walking and chi of running and on and on and on. Uh, So many of those modalities imply the mind-body connection or they're asserting some psychophysical unity. The question is, why would somebody want to choose now the Alexander Technique? What are the advantages of Alexander over other modalities, the disadvantages as well? So I will divide my talk into two parts. The first part will be about the various treatments, and the second one will be about the different movement modalities, uh, athletics and sports, yoga, tai chi, etc., should I go on? Or? Absolutely. And and if it turns out that we need to divide the podcast into two, we'll do that. But let's begin with the uh, Alexander Technique and treatments. Treatments. Mm-hmm. So let's, let me give an example of something that happened to me more than once. A runner that is calling me because of a knee problem. And he's tried physical therapy and he's done some acupuncture. And he tried some deep tissue massage and maybe acupressure, and he still has the problem. It seems to persist. And he's asking me, why should I come to you now? People recommended you, but how can you help me where all these modalities, in this case, in my case, did not seem to resolve the issue? Uh And I start from the, I tell him from the get-go, look, it's not that I'm such a genius, but Alexander Technique addresses the issue differently. You receive treatments, but the minute you step off the table in the treatment, you start usually to do exactly the same thing that brought you to the treatment. Because the treatment usually does not change the consciousness that the people have about movement. If you'll come to me, you will not be a patient. You will be a student. I'll be a teacher. You will learn to observe your habits, the habits that get you in trouble. You will learn how to not act on those habits. And you will learn how to direct your movement in a different way. And this different way of directing your body, it's not just your knee. The knee is but a symptom to the whole way of movement of the body and by learning to move differently the knee pain will subside and very often disappear the same will hold true for a person that comes with a back pain or shoulder pain or neck injury okay mm-hmm. should i go on yeah i well you know i i think maybe another way of saying that is that the the treatments typically change the results of patterns of movement in a often in a fairly forceful way 
Yes. But they don't necessarily change the underlying pattern that brought about those results. Yes. And that is precisely what the Alexander Technique is right. all about. Would, that, would you agree with that? Exactly. Uh, rephrasing? Yeah. Because the underlying pattern includes the consciousness that mm -hmm. has to change of the movement. The habit has to change. Right. So, you know, um, if, if I were listening to this right now, I, I might think, well, it sounds like um, the, the technique is, has a sort of a disadvantage in that I'm going to have to do some thinking or some, I'm going to have to take an active role in this process. Very much so. And for some people, that might not be appealing. No. For some people, it will be difficult. They mm -hmm. will not have the time for that. Mm -hmm. And yes, Or they might not need it because I've seen people that the treatments resolve the issue mm -hmm. to their satisfaction. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so a lot of people, you know, maybe they suffered from whiplash injury in a car accident right. and they had a, a series of treatments with a chiropractor or possibly a PT or osteopath or whatever. The whiplash yes. is gone. So yes. as far as they're concerned, the Alexander technique, while it sounds interesting, might not be very high on their priority list. Exactly. But it sounds like the people you're addressing yes. are people who have tried other methods and still haven't gotten the degree of relief that they would like or maybe they get they get relief for a period of time but the old uh, discomfort returns after a few weeks or months or even a few days yes and and there's there's where the alexander technique might come in and and quite honestly the alexander technique does ask more of you as a uh, a client or uh, we we refer to our clients as students right. than simply presenting yourself to be adjusted or whatever yeah yes right one mm -hmm. student that came for one lesson asked her at the end so what did you how was it? And she said, I resented this. I said, why? She said, you put me to work. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think it's really important for people who are thinking of uh, exploring the Alexander Technique to to really ask themselves honestly if they are prepared to put a little mental energy into the mm -hmm. process. Because if they're not, then probably Alexander lessons are going to be a little frustrating for them. Right, yes, yeah. and discouraging, and they'll be discouraged mm -hmm. because they have to go home after the lesson and think of what they're doing and take some time for that. Mm -hmm. And if they're, yeah. But on the other hand, uh, I asked recently one of my students who've had for years back pains that were relieved through different treatments, and I looked at him after he's been with me for over a year and asked him, if I were to tell you when you started that you will be completely free from your back pain, would you have believed me? And he said no. Mm -hmm. But right. now he's completely free from back pain. Mm -hmm. But he invested in it. In this, he was very interested in sports. It uh, hampered his ability to do as much as he wanted. So he really invested himself. And it paid back.
Mm -hmm. Now, do you want to uh, continue talking about treatments or would you like yes. to move on to um, movement modalities? Um, well, so I'll just say one or two more things about treatments. Mm -hmm. That in Alexander Technique, the person learns to heal himself. The teacher is by the guide. The mm -hmm. healing is done by this person who created the problem and he learns how to uncreate it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, the, the, I, I, you know, I think I, it would be good to balance the, um, the, the caution that I previously suggested that someone really ought to consider whether they want to do some, some actual thinking and put some mental energy into their, into their own situation. But on the plus side, the advantages are immense because not only are you very, is it very possible that you will, quote, solve, unquote, the problem that brought you to lessons, but a host of other benefits will probably occur too, many of which will be quite surprising to you. Exactly, and that will, I'll come to later, but you're, let me just mention a few cases. For example, people who came to me looking probably to the, the fact that they will have to go to a surgery, next surgery or back surgery. Uh, and a few months later, it became clear that they will not need surgery. And a few months later, it became clear that they can move freely and the issue has resolved itself. Mm -hmm. uh, carpal tunnel syndromes. Mm -hmm. uh, neuromuscular problems, tendonitis for dancers, and uh, uh, shoulder problems, frozen shoulders, and I can name again and again more and more issues like this, uh, that if people are ready to invest themselves, and if they go to a teacher who is qualified, those issues can be resolved without uh, treatments. So... For sure, if you, the listener, are a do-it-yourself kind of person by nature, the Alexander Technique would, would hold a lot of appeal to you. Because really, when you come for Alexander lessons, a teacher is going to show you some things to, that you it's up to you to explore and utilize on your own. And, and I always tell my new students that Ninety ninety-nine percent of the the work, as it were, is going to come from them, not from me, because right. I can't follow them around all day, and and they're they're going to have to ultimately be responsible for themselves. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think we have time in this podcast okay. to move on to the second uh, movement methods and examples that you gave yoga would be something tai chi aikido various movement methods or systems perhaps we could call them and how 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 does the alexander technique compare and contrast with 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 those sorts of things yes and that's a vast area so let me start by saying that some people move for the joy of movement. But that's not true for everybody. Some people move uh, from a sense of duty. They, have, they, have, they feel that they have to stay fit and strong and flexible. 
they have to take care of the cardiovascular uh, or osteoporosis. And many of those people uh, will, of course, exercise not in a very mindful way. They will listen to music while walking. They will watch TV while exercising. Now, why would those people come to an Alexander teacher like me? Uh, some are some feel that they can gain more from their exercises, from their movements. Uh, they can enhance their performance. And they heard that somehow I can help them with this. Some of them are frustrated with their progress or with lack of progress. Um, they feel stiff. Uh, they feel uh, rigid. They don't gain the flexibility they want to gain. Or they're not going faster than what they thought they would. And some come to me because they find that they get in pain and they get injured because of the activities they chose to take. And they don't know how to get out of that cycle. I need to exercise, but when I exercise, I get injured. Uh, yeah, I'd like to just echo that. I mean, I've worked over the years with a lot of runners or pe people who run or jog as a form of exercise. And most of them are not happy campers when they're running. They're They're really doing it out of a sense that I've got to get my cardio, I got to get my cardiovascular uh points in so to speak. And if you look at most runners, they don't they don't look all that happy about right. what they're doing. I think that point the point that you made that uh, pe some people move out of a sense of um, obligation maybe or yes. a sense that they they better or they their health will suffer. Yes, and ironically, their health might suffer because of what they're doing. Both, because running incorrectly yeah. results in back on shin uh, splints and uh, all of that. Yeah. I'm, uh, the second aspect is that I point to a runner who comes to me and he runs all hunched over, mm -hmm. that his lung capacity is not very good in this way, and his cardiovascular is not very good because his heart is getting restricted. Mm -hmm. So is he really doing a favor to his cardiovascular system? Mm -hmm. and, and I would say uh, I've had some experience with people who have done some yoga. And I mean, personally, I, I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with yoga, but I've seen some very good results from it. But I've also seen some situations where people are trying to force themselves into the 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 positions or asanas i guess they're called and have actually injured themselves doing that even though yoga does seem like a fairly gentle system yes so yes. um even something um uh, how would i say it a sort of a softer activity like yoga can be a little dangerous if you're not really aware of your body Yes, and I was going to talk, maybe I'll talk about it a little later because okay. let, me, let me go back to the runner that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Because if a runner like this comes to me with a back or knee problem, 
I usually want to make him aware, first of all, that he's engaged in activity which demands complex sets of movements, which he's not aware of. Uh, that in order to run, one has to know, am I walking correctly? Am I standing correctly? Am I bending my knees correctly? If a runner has a problem in running, at the baseline of the programming, as I mentioned before, there are probably problems there. And they, if, not, if they are not corrected at that level, they will reflect into his running. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And, and it's actually, I think, even a little more insidious than that because it, it seems as though taking an activity, well, let's say going from walking to running, if yes. there are some harm, if you have some harmful habits that you've developed around walking, it's very likely that when you switch into running, you're going to exaggerate those. It's going impact. to bring out. It's going to bring out the worst of what you already have, because and, the impact is so much stronger. Yes. So the impact of walking, he might live in peace with that, although the movement is not correct. But running might bring him to the breakpoint, or she. Yes, yeah. and it, it's an interesting analogy there to the story of the, the founder of this work, F. Matthias Alexander. Who was a worked as a reciter under very difficult circumstances before mm -hmm. PA systems were in place, and as far as he knew, his speaking voice was just fine, but he encountered very serious problems when he attempted to project his voice, and what he discovered was that w he he had, he had some harm. He discovered the harmful habits he had in public speaking and only afterwards did he realize and discover that they were just exaggerations of what he did when he spoke normally mm -hmm. so it's kind of an interesting analogy to to the work of of the founder of the technique now there's you wanted to talk about some other um movement yes processes? yes so i just so when a runner like this will come to me I will start him with the basic movements. Mm -hmm. uh, in dance, in ballet, there are two key words, plie and releve. Plie is the knee bends and releve is the leg stretch. Mm -hmm. And this is the basic of all organic movement. All movements of everyday life are a combination of the knee bends and the leg stretches. And... If you go to more elaborate forms of movement, athletics, martial arts, yoga, dance, uh, playing uh, tennis or golf, you always come at the core, at the base, to those movements. So when somebody like that will come to me, and it doesn't matter if they come from dance or from yoga, we will go back to those basic organic movements the person will learn to observe himself or she will learn to observe herself and to start to notice the harmful habits there. The student will learn to not act on those habits and, most important, they will be taught a clear set of guidelines 
guidelines, lines of directions that can be imagined through the body. And that, of course, sounds elusive. And this is where the second most important aspect of Alexander Technique takes place. Teachers of Alexander Technique are trained to put hands on, but in a very different way than massage or chiropractic or most modalities. Our hands-on are there to convey these new directions, these new guidelines to the student, to give them an insight and a new understanding of how to move. Usually the person that experiences those hands-on will report about ease and freedom of movement, about clarity, about inner control, about the sense of being one, of honest of movement. But more important than this for me, at least as the teachers, it is, again, that it conveys a new way of thinking of movement that is not based on muscular feedback, that does not lead to building strong muscular control or core muscular strength, but it leads to a more subtle a more clear guideline which creates what I would describe as an inner strength. And that's where Alexander for me meets yoga and Tai Chi that my understanding is that those systems created very much the same systems. Are they taught this way nowadays? That's a different question. But at, at the base I feel that Alexander discovered something similar to what in India, in China, in Japan, they discovered at different periods of their development as civilizations. And and how would you define that commonality? If you, what do you mean by define? Well, you say it, it's it, Alexander, uh, dis, in a sense, discovered what uh, the developers Same prin- of yoga. principles. The same principles, that's my understanding, that underline those methods Alexander discovered in his way in the, into the Western tradition. Right. And, and could, you, could you just quickly, I know you, it, it may be repeating a little bit, but what are those principles in, in your view? Um, one is the principle of doing less and of non-doing. Uh, usually people always want to add to what they already know. Mm-hmm. But if there's a mistake in the program, I can't just add. I have to empty mm-hmm. in order to come back to the root. Let's say that I'm driving and I'm off. Sometimes I can't make a shortcut to where I need to go back to where I made a mistake. And from there I can turn the other way. So this is one principle of doing less or non-doing to start to come back to the root of the issue. The second thing is that they all emphasize the need of, to work slowly or to practice slowly because our reflexes are so much faster than our observation. In order to be able to observe, we have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Only then we can see what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, let's say, when we wrote our name the first time, it probably took us all half an hour. 
Now we can do it without thinking seemingly. But this is the process of learning. And if we find that one of the letters is wrong, we'll have to relearn in a slow way to redo it. Mm-hmm. So that's the second aspect. Mm-hmm. The third is the conscious control. And the conscious control and is based on the lines of movement through the body, head, neck, back as one line, the legs as a second line, and the utilization of breath to travel through those lines. And that's how I like to teach Alexander technique. Mm-hmm. And, and if I could just um, uh, add something to that, the first principle, which is that technique doesn't really give you new things to do so much. Uh, it doesn't solve problems by saying, do do this additional activity, but, but rather uh, seeks to find out what you're already doing that may be getting in the way, or yes. how you're already thinking about movement that may be getting in the way and showing you what can happen if you subtract those, uh, we could call them harmful patterns. Yes. Which I think is something that puts the Alexander technique pretty sharply in contrast with an awful lot of other things out there. Yes. That we we are we're not in a big hurry to add new activities to a student's life. We're more interested in whatever activities you're doing. Is there some stuff that you're adding to that that's getting in the way? Let's find out what it is and let's figure out how you can learn to to let go of that. Yes. So a subtraction process certainly before any addition is going to take place. Mm-hmm. But now here would be my question as a listener. Um, if yoga and Tai Chi have uh, in, have as their basis some of the same principles or these same principles as the Alexander Technique, uh, what does the Alexander Technique have to offer people who are doing yoga or Tai Chi? Yes. Let me just make one comment about what you said. After the subtraction that you mentioned, many people will be satisfied. They are not looking for more. Mm-hmm. They just want to be able to get up in the morning without back pain, mm-hmm. go to work, uh, go for a nice walk, and they don't need what an athlete uh, is looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yes. Or, yes. So, so some people, that's enough. Now, some people are asking for more. And these are the type of people that either endeavor into cycling and fencing and running, etc., or into Tai Chi, yoga, etc. Mm-hmm. So what, why choose after all this Alexander and not yoga or Tai Chi? So in my years of working with people in those disciplines, I saw those who excelled in these disciplines and they reach very high levels. Many times they started at a young age. Their basic habits were formed in lines with those disciplines. They did not mis- make mistakes at the, at the core, at the base. 
and they could progress without difficulties and they could solve difficulties. But more often than this, I see people who start it and they're not very young. They already formed wrong patterns, misuse habits that are not very good, and they're not aware of them. And usually those modalities, yoga, tai chi, etc., do not teach them how to address those issues at the basic pattern. So they start to build on top of that. And that creates a problem. Because sooner or later, they're off the track to some degree or another. And the further they go, the more they encounter the problem. I'll give one example. A woman came to me with severe plantar fasciitis, which is the bruising of the heels. She, she knew it happened because she practiced Tai Chi. She knew she was doing something wrong, but she had no idea what she was doing wrong. She was such in severe pain that she had to stop practice. Um, so within four months, I think, the pain was gone. And then the other things that started happening, she said to me, you know, I used to practice five days a week. I'm practicing now two, maybe three times a week, and I'm making progress. Three months later, she told me the grandmaster came from abroad, and she says, this time I understood what he wanted from us. And she said, he didn't change, I changed. But this was because of the process that she went through with me. And maybe I should add a little more to that process, what yes, happens would... because in the first phase then people who come to me learn to observe and to start to change the habits and to redirect their movement but this is only the first phase and for some people that's all they'll be looking for but those who are looking for more they go to the second phase which teaches them how to create what I would call the opposing forces in the body, the opposing directions in the body. And these abilities what generates inner strength, agility, and true conscious control of movement. And once they came to that level, when they go back to yoga or tai chi and those activity they find that they can go deeper and deeper into those modalities and gain more and more ground there. What you said earlier about a yoga person, someone like that came to me totally frustrated. The more he did yoga, the more his neck and shoulders were becoming tighter and tighter. So the first thing was to observe, and I showed him, you see, you sit on the floor and try to stretch. You cannot do that. You're not open enough in your joints. So he had to start by sitting on telephone books, which raised him for the floor about six inches. Then he could start to open and stretch himself. Mm -hmm. And then I had to show him that he was turning his legs the wrong way and that he was aiming too far with his body. So we worked through all the details of the form with the ideas of the directions of Alexander. And gradually, the progress started to take place. But it was quite a process, of course. Right. I, I think that point that you brought out about yoga and Tai Chi, um, traditionally, uh, 
being taught uh, to people starting at a pretty early age that I think that was part would be part of Indian culture or, or oriental culture and so there in a sense um they perhaps those disciplines never developed the kind of remedial instructions right. that would be necessary for someone coming in at a much older age yes. and and coming in from a culture let's say like america or europe where if we take yoga as an example if you if you travel to india people are spending a lot of their time in deep squats with their feet flat on the ground they have i think in general more flexibility uh, just as part of their the cultural experience than we do sitting in chairs all day mm -hmm. so if you take a middle-aged american and immerse him in him or her in a yoga process that sort of has an assumption that the people practicing it have been doing it since they were very young, there mm -hmm. could be some pretty serious issues that would come up from that. And I guess what I, I never really thought of it this way before, but the Alexander technique is in that kind of context, the perfect remedial process right? because it, it, Alexander teachers, for the most part, don't do or know much about yoga itself, but they do know about basic coordination and and ways to redirect your yourself to to move more easily in any activity, and right. and uh, including yoga or tai chi right. or whatever. That's I think that's a very interesting uh, point which I had never really thought of before. In other words, we might be an excellent preparation for those who want to go into those areas. And we can prepare them so they can. And I like it this way because I see that for many people, Alexander Technique does not give enough movement. And they want to move more, but how to move correctly. Mm -hmm. So they gain the guidelines here and then they can adapt it to the different forms of techniques. One more comment I wanted to make about there is a Chinese proverb that says that when the wrong person is using the right means, the right means work in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, the technique never justified itself. And Alexander knew it when he said that positions are never right. Mm -hmm. Directions are right. Mm -hmm. Is... Is uh, there anything else on the general topic that we've been talking about today that we haven't covered that you would like to mention before we before we come to an end? Yep. There. So I just wanted to add again one more time that I truly encourage students of mine who want to go into Tai Chi and yoga and other activities, if they're ready for it, I totally encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is there's one more technique that we didn't pay any respect to which is Feldenkrais but that's a completely different topic and subject which I don't want to venture into in this framework it deserves more than that and you know I'm thinking that might be a topic for down the road are, are you pretty we could discuss that particular comparison at some point 
I'm not sure that I'm the qualified person uh, for I, that. I need to find someone who's <laughs> qualified in both. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that the Feldenkrais method, from my understanding of it, is uh, in some ways, ah, boy, I'm not sure what the right word here is, um, a, 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 perhaps a, a more sophisticated form or a, a relatively sophisticated form of, um, if we talking about remedial methods, a, a relatively yes. sophisticated form of a yes. remedial method. Yes. Um, I but, think that it's the, well, it's the second Western technique that addresses such issues of movement with awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. and develop the whole vocabulary of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So and it's a whole system. It's a whole system, and it, it's, it, like the Alexander Technique, came out of personal experience. Right. But I would say that it kind of, it, it, it has a very different way of doing what it wants to do. Very different. Very different. Well, why don't we, we end on, th- on that? Um, uh, my, my guest today has been Ari Gill, who is an Alexander Technique teacher. He's been teaching for 30 years in San Diego, California. He's also, for many years, studied the Wu and Yang styles of Tai Chi. And we will... As soon as he gets his website up, we'll put a link to it next to this podcast. And if you're in the San Diego area and you want to uh, explore the Alexander Technique with Ari, you can get hold of him. We'll put his email address there in the meantime. Ari, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thanking, thanking you. I enjoy-